0: You're mad. Thank goodness for that, because if I wasn't, this would probably never work.
1: Sorry, <laughs> just ready and super psyched. Of course, because guess what we're doing today, Camden, on Pirate Parley.
0: Well, it's hard to predict, but I think it's the third Pirates <sighs> of the Caribbean there. movie. Yeah.
1: Yes, it is Pirates of the Caribbean: At world End. day eh? At World's End. At World's End. It would yeah. help if I pronounced the title correctly.
0: Always confusing. It is because of um the other movie. Yes. The world. Oh.
1: The World's End. The
0: World's End. Yeah. The World's End.
1: With Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. I like
0: them both. I still can't remember though. Mm. it still gets me
1: valid but we're not talking about the no. trilogy but we might one day that'd be fun yeah. no we are still focused on pirates
0: at world's end
1: at world's end. <laughs> nailing it that's where they go it's true they go over now you the you remember mm-hmm. yes yeah, yeah yeah so uh like we said in the previous podcast uh we're, we're gonna be a little bit of a wild card you know we're doing the first three of the original trilogy of pirates, wrapping it up today, and who knows, we might do something different.
0: Anything who, could happen. Anything could happen. Except, it will probably involve pirates.
1: Yeah, valid. That but is the theme. But beyond that, mm-hmm. you yeah. just don't know. We we're not, we might not do the <laughs> four and five right away. No, no. Well, we, we, need we some would space love from to. That. You know, I, anything, such good movies. Yeah, we're just waiting for six to come out. Trilogy oh dear. after trilogy, <laughs> you know, it's going to happen someday. Um, but yeah, anyway, so we are doing the third and final one of the OG trilogy, uh, so let's kick it off. Camden. Yes. Do you remember where you were, how you're feeling, what went down the first time this movie came out in 2007?
0: I do not. Excellent. I can't actually remember if I saw it in the theater. Really? Like, you'd think I would have. Yeah. That would be expected. Even I, I loved Dead Man's Chest at the time. mm I don't know why I wouldn't have gone to see it. Mm. Uh, Obviously, I I saw it quickly. It's not like I waited many years to see it if I missed it. Yes. But I'm not sure if I got to in the theater. I just know I saw it, you know, within a few months of it coming out.
1: I remember you did mention that uh, you've seen Deadman's Chess more than you've seen this one. Like, out of all three of them, this is the one you've seen the least.
0: I don't believe... You know, I, pr- I probably did see it in the theater because I'm pretty sure that I don't own it or never did, mm. uh, the third one. So third. I wouldn't have watched it that way. So I must have been the theater when I saw it. Hmm. And I didn't remember that much. When we watched it this time, yeah. you know, it's, it's pretty well in my head now, mm-hmm. but still not like the other two. Um, but there are little bits I don't really remember. I, before we watched it this time, if you had asked me, uh, like, w- you know, what happens in what order... I would not have been able to tell you.
1: I'm still a little iffy on that. We just watched it. <laughs> that is valid. Uh, yeah, the first time I saw this movie was aware of this movie. Surprise, surprise! I was tracking it, excited for it. Uh, watched it on opening day. Mom picked me up and some of my high school friends. We went to go see it. Was it high school? We're just gonna say it was high school. Um, this is 2007. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was high school. That's high school. Be- people don't need to know how old I am. <laughs> Uh yeah, it I was got went to you see it. within a
0: 4 year span.
1: Yeah. Oh god. They're <laughs> going in. Um, yeah, I I went to go see it in theaters and this is maybe because I'm a weirdo and just vaguely remember um where where I sat. But we sat we didn't get very good seats. We kind of sat up front. And I was looking up a lot and uh the only reaction I remember having initially from the first one was oh, this is some new music. This is nice. Particularly with, like, the Will and Elizabeth theme, the new one. Yes. And then I remember, because I do this, and I, I also did this uh, the first time we watched the season, or the series, technically, finale of Sense8. There are moments when you have a character, spoiler, that you think is dead because, for all intents and purposes, they are, and most people will normally react and be like, oh my god, this is so tragic, I'm upset and crying. And my little lizard brain goes, it's fine, we didn't need them, I'm just going to shut it down, shut down those emotions. And that is uh, <laughs> that is how I felt the first time I watched this movie, and I saw Will Turner get stabbed by Davy Jones, and I was like, it's fine, it's fine. I'm not invested in him, it's totally fine. Which is hilarious, because if you know anything, the whole reason I got onto this series is because of my tender, beating heart for Orlando Bloom as a child.
0: You were just ready to throw him in the I trash. I was just
1: ready to throw him out because I didn't want to deal with the emotional fallout of watching him get stabbed. I was like, you know, it's fine, guys. He had his time. He he had a good run. <laughs> and that's all I remember about this movie. Um, I think I liked it more than the second one because I definitely have seen it more. But that might also be due to the fact that for some inexplicable reason, my sister and I just kept catching the last half hour of this movie, mm-hmm. like multiple days in a row, and would just sit down and watch it.
0: Having watched it now, yes, for whatever the yes. fourth time, maybe I'm not sure. Wow, I I'm not sure anymore yeah. about the second and third. Um Which one I like more?
1: I think I still like the third one better.
0: I I feel like the third one, <laughs> even
1: though it's bombastic as hell,
0: the third one leaves me in a in a better place in a way. Mm. I, I think there are enough flaws with the third one that to look at it objectively i might say that dead man's chest i like more yeah. but um i guess the things that are right in our world's end are right in a way that i find very satisfying
1: i think that i like the third one better it's only because there's no cannibal island <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, that's i the think thing. it's more the thing where um it's so convoluted and not in a great way, but I feel like the more you watch it, the more you kind of understand what they are going for in yes. terms of character intentions and motivations and betrayal. So it feels like with each scene, whether or not they work, there's a little bit like more intention behind them. I, yes. I feel like there, there's it, less... it's, it's as focused as it can be for how many spinning plates there are. Like obviously you're cross cutting against a bunch of gif- different characters but I never feel like we're going off on a side adventure just yeah. because... I think the closest I felt like that was probably at the very beginning of this movie. But now that I've kind of parsed out what they're doing, it feels like less of a side adventure in Singapore, even though there is a lot of really cool potential there.
0: There's less wasted time Yeah. in this one. And this
1: is a long-ass movie. <laughs> yeah, it
0: is It is long. And like there's there's still parts. There's, there's dialogue and character bits... Uh, in mm-hmm. scenes that aren't strictly necessary, there are but like all of the scenes yes. are um there for a reason yeah usually. there there's um,
1: definitely moments in scenes where you're like you guys didn't need that, but the scene as a whole you're like,
0: yeah there's essential. not a there's not a section you could cut out like the the cannibal sequence
1: mm-hmm.
0: um th- everything logically precedes the next thing. We talked in Dead Man's chest a lot about how um it's hard to quite remember the order of events because. <laughs> There's no real reason for some of them to happen in the order they do. Right. Uh, you could skip over parts and the motivations would still make sense. Yeah. Uh, in this movie, it mostly goes in an order that is it necessary. It probably works best, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that there are still... There's more of the movie in Dead Man's Chest, I think, just works without any particular issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I think there's more screen time where I actually can watch it and think there's there's nothing wrong with this basically, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I'm warming to the, the third one more. Despite that, it's strange. I think this is mainly because the only part of Outworld's End I think that completely works with no issues whatsoever mm-hmm. is like the last 30 minutes, yeah. um, <laughs> and I think there's probably a good hour hour and a half of dead man's chest that basically works because it also has an excellent last 30 40 minutes but it also has some other segments that i think are very solid Mm. especially involving Mm. like the kraken and davy jones and all that yeah and so it's weird because just like *Dead man's chest (laughs) (laughs) the the ending being the strongest part really affects how you see it Mm -hmm. because it's hard to remember all the bits that didn't work when you get to the end and you feel like, oh, at least they, they nailed this. Mm-hmm. And especially since this is at the par- end of the trilogy, even more than Dead Man's Chest, not just, while well, the ending is good, but the ending is good and does a very good job actually wrapping up many different threads, whereas Dead Man's Chest obviously ends with a, a lot of things up in the air. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, side note, I, I remember I saw this movie more than once in theaters, Surprise, Not because I loved it so much, although I do distinctly remember liking it quite a bit more than the second one. Mainly because I could hear it this time, which is really, really exciting the first time you watch a movie, if you can hear it. That's always essential, helpful. Um, No, I think it was because I was told that there was a post-credit scene and I hadn't seen it. Guys, this is before Marvel, okay? This is a year before Marvel. I didn't know that you had to stay post-credits. I've since been trained by the by the Marvel overlords to sit through credits for post-credits. But um, that is the fun thing that we haven't actually mentioned in the previous podcast as much. Um, I think we briefly touched on it with the monkey, but they all have post-credit scenes for the first three. Um, you have the monkey picking up the gold piece again from the cursed treasure. So that you know explains away why he's still undead in the second one. Uh, I think the dog becomes like the king of Cannibal yes. Islands. <laughs> And then in this one, it, it, I feel like this one's actually important. Um, you actually get the
0: monkey is important. Uh,
1: well, yeah, the monkey is important. The dog's not important. <laughs> that feels harmful to say, but it's true. Uh, yeah, this one actually has like a scene that doesn't involve animals <laughs> in it. So uh, it's the one with like Elizabeth and her and her son, who will later meet in in the fifth. Film. Yes. <laughs> And, uh, Which and obviously was planned. Totally planned.
2: In 2007.
1: Yes, setting setting up those pieces, baby. They
0: definitely wanted to only make two more totally. in the span of the next uh, 13 years. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's the pace they were going for.
1: Boom! Knocked it out of the park. But yeah, um, so I, I went back and watched it a second time for sure, because I was mad at myself, being like, "Oh my God, are you kidding me? There's post credits. I missed it. I missed, you
0: it. missed it. No, it's yeah. terrible.
1: Yeah, it's embarrassing." Anyway, um, I don't, I'm kind of scared to attempt a summary, because I feel like, A, you should have already seen it, but also, like, it's a very convoluted plot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it helps watching it almost back-to-back with Dead Man's Chest, because I still have it in my noggin, like, who's doing what going into this one.
0: I feel like, in a way, I can do it simpler than dead man's chest simply yes. by cutting out a lot of the details because i don't remember all of them since i've seen it less than you excellent so as far as i'm concerned right now yeah what happens in this movie is yes the crew yeah of people that are not captain jack since yes he is dead yes rest in peace um <laughs> never they <go> forget to, <laughs> they go to <laughs> singapore yes uh hoping to find help Getting, yeah, so Jack they're hoping they're, to get his ship.
1: They're going there to get his ship, and there, yeah. or to get a ship to go get him in the locker. But they're also going there to steal a, a mythical chart that will take them yeah. there, because they don't know how to get there.
0: So it doesn't go, you know, quite according to plan. No. But they get the stuff they need. Yes, they head out. To go sail off the end of the world, which is how you save mm, Captain Jack. Uh, it's a snow, it's yes. a
1: snow, it's a toe-snapping good time, that's how cold it is. snow-snapping Snow-snapping, that's a, that's <laughs> <And, laughs>
0: hard to say. Uh, and, <laughs> Captain Jack is, is there in Davy Jones' locker, as they say. Yeah, losing uh, his uh, goddamn mind. mind. And they Let's meet up with him there. crabs, yeah. Uh, they get back on the Black Pearl, which is there. Mm-hmm they uh flip it upside down they do using classic davy jones locker logic some bitchin'
1: musical school yeah
0: to get back to the normal world normal world and then basically everyone ends up meeting up for a big pirate convention <laughs> all the big pirate kings sorry not kings the pirate kings. chiefs yeah it's pirate, pirate lords captains. yes the um, nine pirate lords of the it's brotherhood important court. That it's not the pirate king no pirate king is different guys. they end up electing elizabeth as the pirate king as through an some accident. trickery yeah. yes and they're basically all deciding they need to face off against the East, East India Company, who are uh, using their hold over Davy Jones' heart to control the Flying Dutchman and make him Eradicate do whatever pirates they want. Like yes.
1: nobody's business.
0: Make him, make him control the seas. Mm-hmm. And they get into a big confrontation, and our heroes in uh, the Black Pearl uh, end up fighting with Flying Dutchman they do. over a big whirlpool. And basically every uh, character arc is resolved and uh, the day is won.
1: Yes, not without a, a few sacrifices. Yeah, stuff
0: happens in between. But honestly, oh, shit goes down. in that sense, the structure is a lot easier to summarize than Dead Man's Chest.
1: Yes. I think the thing that is convoluted for people is the constant like motivation and betrayal back and forth going yes. for people. The trade-offs and a little bit of the politics because you're like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Um, There's
0: a, a clear sense with the pirate. The Pirate Parlay, the Pirate Convention, mm. whatever they call it. Yes. They do have a word for it in the movie. I cannot remember.
1: The the brother-in-court.
0: Yeah, yeah. They um had a lot of fun making that. I assume. Yes. They they had too much fun. You know, there's way more in there than is really necessary for the movie. Agreed. But like we were saying, the scene itself is necessary for the movie. Yes. It's just that like maybe all the detail isn't.
1: Not so much. Yeah. I Especially remember. because the
0: truth is, they do not end up doing that much. You know, yeah. all the, all the pirates end up hanging back while our yeah. heroes go and do all the work, and are not actually involved. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like a fun idea of the scope of it. Like these are all the pirates from you know across the seas, but the truth is they're there for like a dialogue scene. They're not really involved in any of the action.
1: Hey, they're there for the the hoist the colors stirring moment. I do get that complaint a lot. I am one of them for people being like, really guys, you assemble this armada of pirates against this massive navy of the east india trading company and you guys don't just do an epic ship battle they're like mm. no we're gonna do like a one-off but i think um you i guess you could explain it away with the fact why everybody wants the black pearl is because it's the fastest ship in the caribbean it is the only i mean you think it's the interceptor guys no nah, no nah.
0: yeah, i've heard of one faster
1: mm. Nigh uncatchable. catchable <laughs> um, But the, the really important thing about the Black Pearl, other than it being, you know, the quintessential ship for Jack Sparrow, is it is the fastest ship, and it's the only ship that can outrun the Flying Dutchman. So it does make sense out of the entire Armada. If they're going to do a final stand, you know, against the Navy to see, like, who's going to win, they're going to send out the fastest flagship that actually stands a chance of, like, outmaneuvering maneuvering the flying dutchman mm-hmm. which is why everybody's after it all the time will wants it you know yeah it's a, wants it. it's a good
0: ship it has some sort of uh ability that makes it fast for whatever reason it's
1: the black sails something man. with ships that's what i think
0: technology mm-hmm. funny thing about this movie yes. i don't know why this happened to me and it's a weird thing to bring up when we're talking about pirate movies in general go for it but for some reason this this broke my disbelief uh, for a moment mm. and I, I got over it yeah for the first time in this series, I found myself thinking, is it weird to root for pirates? Because obviously in the first movie, it's like our our heroes, well, and Elizabeth, yes, are like pirates are evil. Yes. And they're, you know, reluct- reluctantly <laughs> they're reluctantly roped into this, you know. So the story is about our young heroes uh, ending up embroiled in this, this pirate feud mm-hmm. and having to fight the way out of it, you know, with the help of Captain Jack, who is, like, a pirate, but he's also the pirate who has, like, ambiguous morals. Yes. And in Dead Man's Chest, once again, they're all kind of roped into things and are forced to, you know, Will and Elizabeth are forced to work with pirates again for their own good. But uh, they set up the East India Company as, a, as an alternative, you know, as... as just as bad as as you might think of pirates as being, because they just as much want to control the seas. You're they want fucking to fucking brutal, know, man. They want to kill people and like for uh, their own selfish wants, and yeah. they want to take over the seas and control everything.
1: For booty, for material yes. wealth.
0: They're not even doing it for freedom like pirates, oh. you know. But what's weird about that, I guess, is that in the third movie, once you actually have all these pirates gang together, and they manage to win against the East India Company, and they all cheer at the end. And for a moment, I f- suddenly thought, I mean, I guess they're pirates and, you know, they're kind of bad people. <laughs> and now that they've won, they're free to once again be bad. trawl people. the seas, murdering people and yeah. stealing from people. Yeah, It's a little bit weird. But
1: they look super cool. I suppose that you're just
0: supposed <laughs> to root for pirates because you're watching a pirate movie. But I think the weird thing is I just suddenly realized in the first two movies, mm. the plot is not actually about uh, rooting for pirates to roam the seas unencumbered but that is actually what it's about in the third one they mm. set it up so you don't think about it because the East India Company is betrayed as so much worse but yes. well, once they are defeated it's like all we have left is uh, pirates now
1: yeah it is also like a weird we've talked about this I think briefly in the previous podcast it's a weird concept going into the the sequels for from the first one being like okay where do we go from here but it's weird because you're just like yeah we're gonna start the end of this world when it's not in its prime so they have something you know to fight for mm-hmm. uh, instead of each other which like i respect but it is an odd place to put it
0: it's like uh, in the daniel craig james bond movies yeah. when he is a brand new agent yes. in his first movie yeah. and then by his third movie he is over the hill yeah. and washed up yep it's That's just what very it's accelerated. Odd. You're just like, oh. I think the thing I realized is that this feeling only happens because of the Brethren Court. Mm. It's because of the other pirates that are there. If the plot was still just about like our people in the Black Pearl mainly, mm-hmm. like I don't know, one other group of pirates doesn't matter. Yeah. A smaller scale thing, it would be about them fighting the East India Company and the Flying Dutchman yeah. and winning, and you're like, hooray, our heroes, who mm. we know and like, yes, have won. And yeah, they're pirates, but they're also pirates we kind of know that have done good things as well. Mm. But once you include all the other pirates who are just acting kind of stereotypically piratey, mm. suddenly it feels like now we're rooting for the, just the concept of pirates as yes, a whole. Exactly. And something about it begins to feel weird. Yeah, And I am kind of interested to watch some other pirate movies and mm. see how they approach the concept of pirates as heroes.
1: Yeah, I, I think with a lot of the, the the glamour and the romanticism, because this is definitely <laughs> a... a whitewashed version, sanitized version of history of pirates and obviously this particular pirate film franchise is based in fantasy and it's a Disney movie so like they can't get that violent.
0: Well it's just interesting because of course in the first movie Mm. they're treated more as, you know, villainous pirates and the the villains are just a group of, they're skeleton pirates but you know.
1: They are pirates. They are
0: pirates, that's why they're villainous. And It's a funny transition because really what they're romanticizing in the third movie by the time we get here Mm. is not pirates. It's just like the idea of, you know, people being able to sail the seas and Mm -hmm. make their fortunes and whatnot. It doesn't really have any of the connotations that pirate actually carries with it of like, these are... Think, Roving I think it's criminals. one of those
1: things where um, uh, Governor Swan says it perfectly at the end of the first one, and I'm trying. Oh, this is paraphrasing, mm-hmm. which is shocking because I basically had that movie <laughs> memorized. But he says, "I think uh, sometimes the right course of action is piracy itself." Um, so I think it's the concept of like, well, if you if you turn to piracy for like the right reasons, yeah. A.K. will going to save Elizabeth to rescue her to prevent anything from happening to her you know if you do it with the best intentions Mm -hmm, you know what i'm saying then like it's okay (laughs) yeah and i feel like that is a a common thread that pops up in a lot of pirate movies where it's just like we were forced to become pirates because we didn't want to be slaves or something like that that's something that pops up in a lot of Errol Flynn movies or alternatively we're not pirates we're privateers you know we are Legally, not as, bad, of course. not as bad because we're repping that crown, even <laughs> though we're still doing dastardly deeds. Um, yeah, it is a weird concept to be like, and they've won just because like the East India Trading Company is bad, but also yeah. like pirates aren't good.
0: When you think about it, the only traditionally pirate-like behavior mm. that occurs in the movies is the beginning of the first one mm. when the Black Pearl shows up and ransacks. The,
1: yeah, Port Royal. Port
0: Royal, yes, yeah. and. Of course, that's the villains doing it. Uh, It never really occurs to you to think that, like, that's the kind of thing Jack would do if he was the captain. Yeah, but Um, he says he'll do it. I do think it's kind of portrayed as if, you know, they are worse. Yes. You know, they're famously known for showing up and just destroying, ransacking these places. No survivors. Yeah, and and leaving. Uh, So the impression you almost get from every other pirate you ever see Mm. is that pirates kind of spend their time just fighting other pirates yes (laughs) (laughs) so it's fine
1: Uh, that is a thing that I really do appreciate about this one I I think it's something that is in a way a missed opportunity because it is the third movie of a trilogy so they do have to wrap up characters and it's hard to introduce like a whole new concept or history that's kind of hanging out in the background that they wanted to bring to the forefront so like the brethren court like they've always joked about the code Mm -hmm. from the first one and how like Elizabeth is such a nerd about pirates she's like by Morgan and Bartholomew, blah, bitty, blah, 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 word vomits it. And then this one, you actually get to see the code, and you see the pirate politics um, of them bickering, and it's an opportunity to, you know, kind of like Harry Potter and Goblet of Fire, you realize, like, the world is bigger than, yeah. like, our main characters. Surprise, surprise. There are pirates from around the world.
0: It's and a multicultural pirate event. It's a multicultural event.
1: pirate event, and yet they don't really, They. it's like they'll showcase you, give you the greatest hits. And stereotypes of these nations. I like being the like, angry
0: French pirate. Here
1: they are. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Um, the one interesting thing I think about that is obviously Pirates of the Caribbean is a fantasy. Um, but they did try and pull in like a historical figure, which is uh, Ching Shi, And I am pronouncing that wrong. But she is a the, other, the only other female pirate lord. Yes. She existed. She was a terror on the on the high seas. I didn't from know From China. And she's an actual historical figure. She's really, really interesting. Obviously, like, going that far back, it is hard to separate fact from fiction and track her through history, but there is enough records out there. There's definitely, like, some history and podcasts that you can listen to with her, which is really interesting. But it it was fun to see her pop up in this.
0: I assume that uh, Keith Richards is also a real pirate lord? Yeah,
1: just Keith Richards. Yeah. Yeah, he's been around since the 1700s. (laughs) That's that's just a fact.
0: That's why he looks like that.
1: Everybody knows that. Uh, <laughs> I think he plays Captain... I think it's Captain Teague is yeah. his name. But he, he's delightful and he's really Captain into Jack's the Captain co- Jack's uh, father. He is, yes. which is so meta because, of, as most people know, Johnny had, had lots of inspirations for the mannerisms mm-hmm. and characterization of one Captain Jack Sparrow. And obviously one of the more prevalent and famous ones is uh, Keith Richards. Another one, I believe, is Pepe Le Pew. Hmm. So there you go.
0: It's funny. It kind of feels like it should be a problem to have a character be his father. Yeah. Like it should break something about this backstory. But it works. But it doesn't really. Because Jack is so enigmatic that, like, the idea that he just has a father that he never ever sees that's just out there pirating is, like, fine.
1: (laughs) I also just really appreciate how, like... (laughs) If you just like do a cursory search of behind the scenes of like how would they get Keith Richards, the dude was drunk <laughs> like the whole time they were filming. Uh, it just makes me happy because it's just like yes, you you absolutely got the Johnny Depp got the right person to impersonate or yeah. kind of help build this character and so to bring him in and then just have him basically act like himself. <laughs> really, it's just kind of a testament to like oh this is this is mm-hmm. specifically. The vibe we're going for for these types of pirates, and it and it works.
0: Well, I feel like most of the pirates of the restaurant Court, you mm-hmm. know, they aren't really characters as much as caricatures for <laughs> yes. the scene. The only uh, new pirate that is really meant to be a character is is the one that Shelly uh, and Fat plays, and yeah. I, I don't actually South remember bang. his name. Okay, there you go. South Too many pirates. Yes. Yeah. Who is the the one they go to meet in Singapore? Mm-hmm. And this is interesting because Singapore itself, which we briefly mentioned. Uh, does feel like it's a bit superfluous Um, like they go there to for a reason yes but the reason they go there in particular feels like it's just because they wanted a new location that was different from other locations and because probably they wanted chai and fat specifically and they wanted you know them to go somewhere where he would be yes in the story
1: yes they wanted the soundtrack to sound cool yeah. different so they're like Singapore. It feels
0: motivated <laughs> by by a variety and the production more than like the the story.
1: Yes. I also uh, this is tricky because I didn't know why they went to Singapore the first time I saw it. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh yeah, they're trying to make like it well known that piracy is international. This is mm-hmm. a community that is dying out because of the East India Trading Company, like we should showcase that in this big bombastic end-all be-all all all the pirates fighting together but I was like why Singapore because in the back of my mind the first time I watched it I was just like um so they're going to Singapore to get a boat and to steal a chart and also to convince the pirate lord of Singapore Salfing to give up one of his his pieces of eight. Yes. The nine pieces of eight, because Barbosa's like we need to convene the brethren court because we got to deal with this East India issue. Now you don't know at this point, but like Barbosa has an ulterior motive for that.
0: They always do. They
1: all do. But it's a weird thing to be like, okay, so this is the motivation. We're trying to convince this dude to get in on these politics. We're trying to get a ship. We're trying to get a chart to go to Davy's locker, and it's really funny because in reality I'm like. They're trying to get a ship. How did they get to Singapore? How far away is Singapore from Tia Dalma's hut? Like, what resources do they have going into this place? It is a little shocking It's always been
0: a little unclear where exactly they are meant to be. Yes. It is also unclear given how much
1: time has passed mm-hmm. <laughs> in between them. Enough time for Will Turner to get a really dashing maroon shirt Yeah. yeah he well, wears because the hell out of <laughs> for the entire thing.
2: Yeah, uh,
0: he adds various list. elements to it, I believe. Mm. But because of the space between the movies of course that kind of works it doesn't really matter um you know yeah. how much time it's been it's yeah it works pretty well i think singapore it's itself is just like it's the start of the movie it's a you know it's a flashy beginning to have mm-hmm. something different um i think they they don't really spend the time there for it to feel like it truly valuable in the scope of the entire movie but mm-hmm. i agree with you that that looks very nice. The production yes, looks nice. The Production is cool. The music is is great. It um, feels to me
1: a lot like the beginning of like Return of the Jedi. They're like, we have to do this is, romp yeah. to grab this thing, and this thing that we're getting is important. A.K. Like we're getting the Han Solo of this mission back in into the, the fold. But in reality, you're just like, yeah, this is very different from the from the rest of the movie.
0: And uh, Singapore it certainly comes off better than like uh, Cannibal Island, in the does. second movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not without its. Sh- Share of issues, I think. I was just trying to look at, I don't know what it looked like mm-hmm. when we watched it. And I was thinking there's mostly just a vibe of decadent pirateness happening. Mm-hmm. There is a bit of an odd like thing where I don't know you see some shots of really large, sort of grotesque looking people and mm-hmm. like, you know, s- smaller people. and it almost seems like there's an attempt to, you know, convey this feeling of like, oh this is a place of weird you Mm -hmm. know individuals that is a little uncomfortable i think with the fact that it's like we're going to singapore and it's Mm -hmm. kind of like singapore is a strange place you know an othered exotic place Mm -hmm. full of like weird body shapes and Mm -hmm. and stuff like that but they don't linger too much on that Mm -hmm. it's just like i think definitely still coming from the same place some of the issues with the the cannibal stuff and the second movie is just it's just a very like they breeze um,
1: over it it's definitely
0: it's just a very old old sort of way to do it it's a very like 20th century pirate story thing mm-hmm. like this is really about you know pirates of the caribbean it's about pirates you know somewhere in between like the <laughs> north america and europe and that kind of area mostly mm-hmm. it's uh, but we're going to go over like you know to other places and it's going to get weird. <laughs> it, it, the mood is a little strange. And I think, unfortunately, also, Charlie and Fat doesn't really get the best deal with that character, uh, especially since his end arc, after he, he gets to be involved with, you know, the various... Um, scheming. Scheming that everyone else does. Yeah. But that really just leads to him, you know, getting to be real creepy with Elizabeth. Yeah. And probably shot and killed, um, wherein he passes his captainship yeah, to her he gets, which he is gets
1: his, uh, he gets stabby stabbed by his own ship that gets blown a yeah. hole in
0: it's it's plot important that he he makes sure the captain it doesn't yes. square very well with his previous attitude in the scene and i don't think that's great too that you know the the only uh you know foreign cap pirate captain as the movie would have it probably mm-hmm. is like very uh, creepy and you know. You say it's like a Disney movie, you know? Yes. It's very sanitized. The yes. only time it's not sanitized, is and you have he's someone, like her, yeah, yeah, to sort of her. introducing actual pirate behavior yes. into the movie, yeah. is when it's coming from the the Singapore pirate captain. Yes. Which I don't think is great. <laughs> Agreed. Um, much like the cannibal thing. Luckily, that's pretty early in the movie, and then it's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's nice, at least. But it's just one of those things where I guess you you wonder how it might go if they made the movie like. No. This year? Uh, to yeah. be honest, I don't know if it would be that much better. <laughs> but you might hope it would be, yeah. I guess. So I think that, unfortunately, with both the second and third movies, both of these parts that feel kind of superfluous are also kind of uncomfortable. I and mean, it's weird that they both line up that way.
1: Yeah, I feel like um, I was able to track Singapore a little bit better because I remember the first time I saw it, I was just like, I don't understand what they're doing here. Because they, they get there so quick and they leave so quick. Yeah. Um, And I think I got very confused as to like... They, they did this whole big show of of Cao Fang being like, I hate Captain Jack. The only reason why I would yeah. agree to finance you guys to, like, bring him back from the locker so I can send him there myself. Which, again, sets up this whole thing of, like, pirates are always trying to, like, screw over other pirates. Yeah. And they just inherently, are, there's so much infighting that they don't trust each other. But the reality is, is like, after that, there's, like, this big action sequence because, like, there's an East India Trade Company spy within the midst. Mm-hmm. And the whole scene is basically like, we got you a ship, we got you the chart that you need. But more importantly, but it is a little, like, kind of muddled. Like, Will has struck a bargain. Yeah. He's betraying Jack. He's like, I don't give a fuck about Jack, man. He's betrayed me so many times, I just want the damn pearl.
0: Will wants to save his father.
1: Yes. Um, and so it's like, I, it gets convoluted in there. Yeah. Because they're like, we're doing an action set piece. And, 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 and the but,
0: fact that um, he wants to kill Jack... Yeah Just doesn't really Get delivered on Because he dies Too early Yes For him to really I mean be he player. does set
1: it up Where he does like Another double cross Where yeah. he makes the bargain With Will Will's like If I bring the pearl And Jack back I'll give you Jack And I get to keep the pearl Do what you want with him and then he gets double-crossed when they come back with the Pearl and Jack. And and stuffing's like, okay, well, I'm giving Jack to the East India Trading Company. I want the Pearl for myself. Mm-hmm. And then immediately, like, it's screwed over.
0: <laughs> I can't quite remember. Then do they change his mind or...
1: Basically, they're like, Barbosa heavily, heavily implies that Elizabeth is Calypso. And they're going to bring everybody to the Brethren court. Yep. And so what they end up doing is they end up trading uh, Elizabeth, who agrees because she's like will got us into this mess so basically
0: they trade her to
1: to free everybody
0: yeah and, and then i uh, remember their ship and um the black pearl both head off away from the east india company yes. after they sort of yes startle them and fire fire some rounds at them
1: yeah and jack manages to escape back on too
0: yeah jack escapes he's trying to make a deal with with color beckett yes and he like kind of does but also like runs out right afterwards mm-hmm. so it's Unclear for a while whether or not he's planning to. Yeah,
1: if we want to track hold up to that, it's basically so Jack is is working through Will to get his shit done. Mm -hmm. So he's basically like, Ah, we've discovered that David Jones. If you try and kill him, part of the ship, part of the crew, the Flying Dutchman must have a captain. So if you stab the heart and kill Jones, you have to cut out your own heart and replace it. The, The ship must always have a captain. And Jack's like has always since day one kind of been you know, drawn in and enamored with the idea of immortality. And mm-hmm. so he's like, ooh, yeah, <laughs> I'm about that. And they're just like, cool, um, we'll strike a bargain with you, the Eastern Trading Company. They're like, lead us to the pirate court. We'll blow up all the pirates. And he's like, awesome, I'll figure out a way to weasel my way in here and steal the heart and stab it and become the new Captain of the Flying Dutchman and live forever. And everybody's like, that seems really lonely. You'll be the last pirate. He's like, yeah, but that sounds dope. That's got a great <laughs> ring to it. Um, And so he kind of, like, makes the bargain with Beckett, being like, Beckett's like, I want your compass, because it'll point me to the Brethren court. I don't know where it is. And Jack's like, yeah, I'm down with that. And he's like, wait, if I just get the compass, then I don't need you. And Jack's like, "No, no, 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 you need an inside man. So he makes the escape. And then through Will, he sends the compass to Beckett and is basically trying to position himself into a position where there are, and this is how he kinda navigates it by kinda tricking the brother in court into giving Elizabeth the title of Pirate King. So he's more or less kind of set up this scenario where he is the betrayer to everybody, but he's just trying to position himself to where he's brought all the pirates out and he can take the heart for himself mm-hmm. and become you know, the flying Dutchman captain.
0: Yes. Essentially it makes sense. And you track it out. I think it makes a little more sense than some parts of the second movie. Agreed. Which uh, rely a lot hard on coincidence. To track
1: because Will is also kind of doing the same thing of being like, I'm trying to get the pearl, and I'm trying to t- kill Jones so I can free my father from his debt. The problem with that is if I, if I go to save my father, I can't be with Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. And that is, I think, actually one of my favorite things about this movie is just kind of like the parallels between Will and Elizabeth's love story and Calypso and Davy Jones' story they're kind of like two sides of the same coin they could have gone one way and Uh instead they went another way and it's just really kind of fun to see that explicitly played out being like oh you know Will is going to (laughs) spoilers replace Davy Jones as the captain of the flying Dutchman and Elizabeth is at some point kind of perceived as like Calypso. It's just these very weird parallels between them. is always like hitting on Will and saying like a touch of destiny. Like there are some very interesting parallels going on between them.
0: It's pretty obviously foreshadowed. Mm -hmm. Although I think there's an element of um, the unlikeliness of them actually committing to something like that mm-hmm. in this kind of movie yeah. which still makes it which is why I was
1: like when Will gets Stabby McStapped in the chest I was like yeah it's fine <laughs> Yeah, I, mean, I when just you was in shock that they did it
0: given that it's the end of a trilogy and it's trying to go big mm-hmm. these things are less surprising but still generally you, you would me. not expect that yeah. I think to happen yeah uh, even though they foreshadowed it
1: yes which does w- I do want to bring up this because I want to try and talk it out We have talked about the mechanics of the curse and the cursed Aztec gold in the first movie. I don't understand the mechanics of the curse in this movie because of future installments. So, from what I've gathered from this one in a convoluted history, you have the Brethren Court, which is based off of a historical pirate court, by the way. Clearly this is not like a one-for-one in the same way that you have that historical pirate figure of Ching-Chi. It's not a one-for-one. They just like threw her name into the ring. But um, you basically got Calypso as the sea goddess, right? And then the brethren court are like, yeah guys, like let's totally bind her to a human form and then take control of the sea for ourselves. But then you have Davy Jones telling them how to bind her. So he's betrayed her. Mm-hmm. But he's betrayed her because I believe she betrayed him. Where she gave him a task to fairy souls who die at sea from the land of the living to the land of the dead. Get the green flash. The, all the, that I- jazz.
0: the idea is that um, after ten years, yes, he was going to meet her he on land. Th- yes, uh, and she didn't show up. Yes. So he even though him. he did his job for the first ten years, he decides not to do his job anymore.
1: And that is why he looks the way he looks because he is um, yes. not doing his duty.
0: So she, she betrays him first, I guess. But yeah. then she feels like he has betrayed her by, by giving m- up.
1: And then she doesn't realize that he is also the one that explicitly told the brethren court yes. how to bind her. So that's kind of the final straw. Because, you know, when she gets all big and Ursula-like at the very end, um, it, it's looking touch and go there in terms of like, oh shit, we probably did the wrong thing. But Will is the one who is in a brief shining moment of intelligence going... Do you know the one that actually told them how to bind you? It was Davy Jones, and she's like, uh-uh, I'm not about that, and then, boom, turns into angry crabs. And as
0: then, you do. As you do, when
1: you get upset and scorned by a ex-lover who is tentacly. You know,
0: it's interesting. I remembered her giant form as being, like, not as exciting of an image idea mm. as things in the other movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forgot that she's only like that for a very brief amount of time.
2: Mm-hmm. And then
0: she just turns into the crabs and, you know affects the weather through the storms and all that. Yes. And the whirlpool. Mm-hmm. Um so uh, I mean it still is it's just, you know, giant woman, it's not super exciting an image, but like it really is not that important. No. So I'm I think fine it's with just it more now. like
1: the mythic imagery that they're trying yeah. to go for. But I guess my problem is I understand the whole 10 years at sea doing that fairy life and then coming to land for one day. What I don't understand is can that curse be broken when it happens to Will and Elizabeth when I first watched this movie because I remember being really devastated being like, ah shit, she has to wait another 10 years for the dude to show up, that sucks but then it's like, it got really misconstrued because they're like the reason why he's still cursed and doing his thing is because she didn't remain faithful to Davy Jones and Mm -hmm. didn't show up on the day and so the insinuation is if Will, you know, doesn't fuck up his job, Faring Souls, when he comes back ten years later for that one day, if she's still there and still faithful, is the curse broken? And in, like, the little DVD slip of At World's End, they're like, yes. But then in, like, or in other interviews, they're like, no. And you're like, what is the hmm. answer, guys? Because you set up this whole parameter of, like, the flying Dutchman must have a captain no matter what. Yeah. And so you think like, oh, that's a really magical moment in the post scenes like he's going to come back. He did his job, she's there, she has their son together. He's going to meet his father officially. Like it's a very exciting time. I think like it all worked out for them even though it's very bittersweet and sad. And then the reality of it is like you go into the fifth movie and you're like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> well,
0: I thought that uh, he had to just keep going back. I I never got the impression that he only had to do it for 10 years.
1: Well, I can vouch for that. I think that makes sense. The problem I have (laughs) with the damn fifth one is he's getting all, like, starfishy, like his daddy, Mm
2: -hmm. which
1: isn't, the implication is Davy Jones, they explicitly say it in this one, doesn't look like that. You even get to, bless Bill Nye, I bet that must have been, like, the best shoot day for him ever. He's like, oh my god, (laughs) I finally get to dress up like a pirate and not have, like, weird gray pajamas and green dots on my face. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. But the implication is he didn't look like that. The reason why he started to look like that and his crew gets more. Like, they lose literally their humanity and become more part of, like, the sea and, and the ship is because he's not doing his job. So I think that,
0: that you understood it perfectly well. But then I why did they fucking t- put on, like, Starfish and. <laughs> the fifth movie. And was Coffee on Will. <laughs> it was written and directed by different people. It's just frustrating. And they probably didn't realize the stuff you just said
1: that's the problem guys the logic gets broken because this movie is clearly this entire franchise is all about logic
0: they they probably remembered the image and of they're the like people this, this and the people on the flying dutchman and they, design, yes they yeah. thought it looks cool and so they they didn't even remember that was why that looks it like happened
1: that. Yeah. that is actually uh one of my favorite moments in the movie uh is when <laughs> as i described it uh when the flying dutchman comes back up after it is sunk yes and it's like a beautiful like beauty and the beast post-castle curse lifted reveal if you're like look how pretty it is and everybody literally like is become the crew has become humanized mm-hmm. again because will has done the right thing it's not that he's necessarily lifted the curse so i think he kind of has in a way yeah but it's like new captain new ship new crew new <laughs> new me new year yeah
0: it all makes sense within this trilogy yes
1: Beyond it, it makes absolutely no fucking I mean, that's, sense. that's all that really matters. Yeah, it's fine. But I do love that moment where it's just like, this is what it was supposed to look like in all its glory. And it, you kind of get that fleeting moment, too, with Davy Jones when, like, Tiadama like, changes him for a brief moment. That scene is beautiful where she's just like, you used to have a heart and used to be a good man and, like, look at you. And he's just like, yeah, that's me. And they do, I think, a really nice job of callbacks to the first one quite a bit. Obviously, you got the dog with keys again, and uh, he does show up in the in the second one. But you also have that that shot of something uh, inhuman grabbing someone by the neck through the bars. Yes.
0: I like that he can't get back through the bars.
1: Yeah, because it's a little crab pinchers.
0: Um, and which is interesting because it you know implies that she has actually changed his form, mm-hmm. not just like he, temporarily. Yeah, not yeah. just like a hallucination. Yeah. Uh, and there's something about it I like he's stuck with his claw and he's pulling and you think, well, he's just going to pull through it. And mm-hmm. then what he actually does is he just, just turn, you know, transparent and go through it the other way. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, there's something about that. I like, yeah, it's just d- not what you'd expect.
1: I very much like their love story because it's basically all the pitfalls that could have happened to one and Elizabeth. And that was the thing that annoyed me the most between our breeding pair at the beginning of this movie is it's like, I guess it just could fucking communicate. It'd be fine. Yes. Cause he's all like, Oh, you had a bird to a bear and you didn't share. And she's like, you can't trust me. You thought I loved Jack, and he's <laughs> like, yeah. And I'm like, why didn't you just fucking communicate? <laughs> like, you to get over Jack? it Jack.
0: They get over it pretty quickly. They do.
1: It is also one of those things that does really bother me um, that we've talked about in the previous one, where like they set up like a false love triangle. It's like immediately resolved because it's not even a thing in this one.
0: I think that there's a bit of a disconnect because they resolve that pretty quickly yes. in the third movie. Yeah. And then they have their their big fun scene at the end where they get married during the fight. Yes. Um, Which is like the logical continuation of that because they've resolved the issue and they now want to get on with the marriage that never happened. Yeah. It
1: just feels like a false false set of stakes. Yes. Of being like, we have to throw a wrench into your relationship.
0: Well, because uh, there's a gap. Mm -hmm. Because that happens at the beginning of the movie. And then they have their full resolution at the end of the movie mm-hmm. there's a large part of the movie where they don't do a lot together yes and they're not particularly um they're not in a lot of scenes together either mm-hmm. and so I- when you get to that part at the end you think well of course this is logical continuation but for a second there you're a bit jolted into it because it's like oh, well we haven't really been doing will and elizabeth drama for the past hour or so yeah. right i forgot that's part of the movie yeah then you kind of get on with it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I don't know how much they could have done. There's so many moving parts in this that so it's inevitable parts. that they can't have scenes throughout where they're constantly interacting and doing things together because they need to be doing other things for the plot to work. Yes. But, um, you know, on the whole, it worked out for them pretty well. That's you fun. know, I think we we both we love their... Their ending scene there and the fight. It's pretty great when they get married.
1: Hands down, my favorite scene of this movie.
0: And just I because,
1: like, I went, Barbosa is living his best life in this movie. <laughs> he is just having a Always ball, great. being a captain, going off the edge of the map, and then, like, being the world's best officiant. <laughs>
0: Every line yes. delivery from Bubbles. Amazing.
1: Amazing. Like solid line delivery. I'm a little busy at the yeah. moment.
0: They're they're ending well, and Elizabeth uh, after that, uh, mm-hmm. regardless of your unclear feelings about yes. how it what's supposed to mean. Also very nice, I think.
1: Beautiful. Tragic. Lovely.
0: Um, very, very touching.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I think it works out pretty well for them. I actually strangely found myself thinking that Jack might be a little bit less exaggerated in this movie than in the second one
2: Mm -hmm.
0: which is funny because usually i think it's perceived as a general downward turn for his character across the movies
1: i would say the reason for this and you can correct me if i'm wrong but off the top of my head set pieces do not revolve around him it's more of um he's in a lot more conversation with people in this movie and he's definitely explicitly more like leaning towards cunning and manipulation in politics in this one
0: his motivations are also more clear it's pretty much it's established early mm-hmm. that he is thinking about being David Jones essentially mm-hmm. taking his place mm-hmm. and pretty much sticks to that for most of the movie mm-hmm. until you know it ends up not happening at the end yeah it's just very easy to understand what he's trying to do yes. And that makes it easier to see when he is being clever. And I feel like there's actually just a little bit less like slapsticky stuff with him, Yeah. oddly enough. Um, so actually, I come out of it thinking this 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 is, works well for him too.
1: Yeah, I remember feeling the first time I saw this movie really dissatisfied with the final shot with him, where he's lost his ship again, yeah. and he goes off in a dinghy, and basically it just kind of felt like a retread of the original ending except you know obviously he has a smaller ship this time around but you know the more I watch it the more I'm like you know what I'm actually okay with this because it is kind of has that I don't think it's executed as well but the intent is there of you get this feeling that he's just going to sail off and have as many adventures again as possible
0: yeah I think they're trying to mirror the ending of the first one Yeah. which left you the feeling that they'll all go on adventuring forever of course for the second movie to immediately say oh now some drama is interrupting that yeah to find a way back to it at the end of the third movie yeah, and to say guess, just like we tried to leave you at the end of the first one there's still more adventures out there that you know you'll never see yes but
1: I feel like because it's inherently set up like a trilogy it just feels like he doesn't have a character arc because they mirrored the ending that's true um, which I think is why it hits where I'm just like oh nothing has changed he is still out seeking his ship and trying to be immortal and being very, very clever and drinking a lot while he does it.
0: I guess if there's a progression in the way that like Barbosa and the crew also abandon him again. It's yeah. that uh when they did it in the backstory of the original time. movie, yeah. they they were like, We're gonna basically kill him. Yeah. And throw him out. Yeah. And in this movie, uh yeah, they're just like, Well, we don't want him because Barbosa wants to be captain but like yeah.
1: we're literally having it's like a...
0: it's not as harsh. You know, it's it's the general increased cuddliness of them mm-hmm. across the movies so yeah that like, is a really interesting thing with Barbosa. These, these are like Rosa and Jack are still trying to get one over they're each other all the time they're
1: literally like dick measuring yeah. the entire time
0: <laughs> but like they no longer seem to want each other to die yes probably because they both died already yeah. and it feels like it's small potatoes now
1: yeah that is actually one of the, the scenes that I, I like quite a bit that I feel like doesn't get as much credit because it's pretty short and not as bombastic and in all honesty doesn't make sense but when they come back from Davy Jones' locker, for some reason they go on land and then they get caught and then they realize like, oh, the Singapore pirates are here. They've taken our ship, um, which again, I don't know why they're going to the land other than to see the Kraken, Rip Kraken. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it is a beautiful conversation between Jack and Barbosa, where Jack is, you know, considering becoming like an immortal pirate, the only mm-hmm. one left on the seas and Barbosa is just like... It's pretty lonely being the last one. And he's like, the world's gotten smaller, Jack. Our time is kind of as pirates is ending. And and Jack's like, you know, there's kind of like magic in the world. Like, look at you and me. We're living proof of that. We're not supposed to be here, and we are. Um, But Jack makes a really, really interesting point where he says, like, the world's not getting smaller. There's just less in it. (laughs) And I think that's really interesting how he, A, views the world, but also how their relationship has evolved. Which is why I do love Barbosa in his original incarnation, but I really appreciate that, like, despite him no longer being the primary antagonist for the rest of the series, like, he still works within the world. Obviously there's still a lot of, like, antagonism and they've made them lighter and cuddlier, but in that scene, you kind of get, like, a history behind it. You're like, you understand why he was Jack's first mate. You understand, like, why they both did the things they do and how much they've done to each other. And this is where they're at. Mm -hmm. Um, I really, really like that scene. It's a good scene. Pretty solid. <laughs> What's your favorite scene?
0: I like the whirlpool fight yeah, it's scene. Yes, great. Yeah. The
1: Will. My favorite part is the uh, during the wedding scene where Will is asking Elizabeth to marry him, and she's like going, "I don't think now's the best time." He's like, "Now might be the only time," and he's basically like, "I'm all in, baby. What do you say?" And then she's like, "Barbosa," and the look on his face for a split second is amazing because he's just like, "Oh, okay. You've considered." Jack, you've considered Norrington. I guess Barbosa is an option, yes. too. I guess it's not me. And it's just like this brief moment of insecurity, and it just makes me laugh every time. Because <laughs> you're like, no, you dummy. Of course she wants to marry
0: you. For me, the, the experience of watching this scene, having, like, I like the movie a little more every time I've seen it, I think. I, I liked bits of it more this time. But even though I enjoyed a lot of it more, I just get to that ending bit. You know, as soon as the ships are kind of approaching each other something happens and you just feel like oh this is what was missing mm-hmm. like I didn't even realize it because I was still having a good time but it like it feels like the first movie again you know it feels like oh everything works everything just clicks I was just remembering that I really liked Will and Elizabeth's uh, whole thing there which is funny and endearing and works but it isn't just them it's like Jack swinging around and fighting with um, Davy Jones and all of that is like kinetic and fun and just entertaining in the same way that the best parts of the other movies are. Mm -hmm. And everyone else in the ships, you know, all the other side characters doing their things. It's it's just, it it really all comes together. And I, I think it makes you really feel what we were talking about last time. That the problems that exist with the second and third movies, I think, mostly have to do with this desire to put all these pieces together in very specific ways Mm. and the fact that it is a little difficult to get them to do it in a way that's natural so the setup has issues but whenever you get to the part where everything's supposed to be triggered everything's supposed to go off it just works because the fundamental ideas were, were just as strong for how things should end up it's just that the seams are more obvious and the the climax of like jack wants to be immortal he's fighting davy jones well elizabeth you know are going to get married in the midst of the fight for their lives and stuff like that that's all great like character mixed with action sequence stuff and it just works perfectly i think in a way that the rest of the movie doesn't so it's very hard to pick anything but that as the best scene i think because you suddenly just get that that rush i think that is present through almost the entire first movie and is only sporadically present Through the second and third movies.
1: Yeah, it feels like, I guess I I would say it's akin to like reading, obviously, like the end of like a fantasy series, where you're like, oh, this is where all the characters end up. This is what they're gearing up for, and it's been executed, and each character gets like a a shining moment, and you just feel the momentum, and the attempt to make it epic pays off.
0: Yeah, and and it almost feels like suddenly everyone is extra sure to bring their A game, you know? Like the the choreography is better. Mm -hmm. You can tell. You know, like in the best action sequences in the other movies, you can tell where everyone is and what's happening. There's so many things happening, and yet, like the editing is timed perfectly. You know, if we're with Jack, or with Will and Elizabeth now. You know, we're mm-hmm. with some other group. You know, e- including even, like the two comedy relief, uh, not pirates. Um,
1: oh, the yeah, 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 the guards from Port the Royal. The guards,
0: yeah, from the first <laughs> movie that are that are here up. for some reason, and like by all accounts should mess up the pacing of the scene because they're really not necessary at all, and yet they also are incorporated in a way that perfectly breaks up the beats of the rest of the scene. It's like they had the perfect knowledge in directing and filming and editing of how to put all these things together mm-hmm. once they finally had them. Once they finally had every character on two ships around this whirlpool, they knew exactly what to do with all of them. It's interesting.
1: I agree. Do you want to talk about uh, something slightly morbid but really fun because we haven't touched upon this character yet? Yes. you want to talk about Elizabeth and her kiss of death?
0: Oh. Let's do it. Does that apply to her father?
1: Uh, No. That is tragic. We should talk about him as well. I will say, uh, yeah, Elizabeth and her kiss of death, really fun. Uh, basically, any dude that she kisses will meet a horrific end, as evidence, starting with the second film. First film was fine. Yes. <laughs> second film, uh, obviously, after she kisses Jack, he decides to take on the Kraken, knowing he'll lose. Uh, she kisses Norrington shortly after he dies. She finally gets to kiss Will and get married. And then he dies. And it is a really fun scene where that um, is also a touching moment that I really like where the, her chariot awaits where she gets to have that one day honeymoon with her, her new husband. Uh, and all the pirates on the Black Pearl kind of send her off. And they do it in a really fun special way with Barbosa finally calling her Mrs. Turner instead mm-hmm. of Miss Turner as like in the first one. Obviously Pintel and Rigetti call her Poppet. And then uh, she makes the, the joke that Jack made at the end of the first one, saying it would have never worked between us. Yes. Um, There's a
0: lot of callbacks at once.
1: But it, it works and it, it doesn't feel heavy handed or like playing to the camera or pandering. It just feels like I think appropriate w- because there is a clear evolution yes. of what they're saying and how they're saying it.
0: And I think it works because it's the end.
1: Yes. And I also love it because um, Jack basically does like, you know, once is plenty. Thank you very much. And it it does (laughs) kind of dig into the idea that, yeah, 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 she's kind of (laughs) lethal. She kisses you, whether that's intentional or not, obviously, like, narratively.
0: Yeah, it's funny. It is,
1: you know, not it's not a good idea to be kissed by her, guys. Don't know why, but she comes to an end. And I think one of the great moments of that, speaking of endings, is obviously with Norrington. Because he has such an interesting arc throughout the entire series. Mm. Of going from, you know, very prim, proper naval commander to... (laughs) Hottie McCottie, aragorn style all, all dirtied up and then he has been restored and redeemed quote-unquote mm-hmm. in the eyes of polite society in this one
0: i think his, his death is very fitting and tragic, even if yeah. sad yeah um and a good way to to redeem him
1: mm-hmm.
0: as a character officially yeah. i think there are two like things that make it a little weaker than it could be maybe Mm -hmm. Uh, one of them is i i just wish he was in the movie a little more
1: yeah in the first half because
0: he shows up and you can see that he's he's sort of back to normal Mm -hmm. you've established that and then you don't really get much of him until very soon before he is going to die Mm -hmm. and i just uh think it might be better if he had more of a a presence before that point Mm -hmm. even though the actual scene is is still very good where he dies and the other problem is that yeah, he's not all scruffy anymore. Yeah. So it's just not as fun. It's
1: like Vigo cleaned up at the end of three. I'm not yeah. about it. Like he still looks great, but like I know what you look like when you look dirty. You don't
0: want to judge by appearances, but all I'm but saying I will. is, although uh, I was sad that he died, <laughs> yeah. um, I would have been more sad if the scruffy, scruffy version had died That's because fair. he was better.
1: Yeah, I do think that the issue with Norrington's death for me personally is it comes after a moment where he realizes whether as like a bystander and intentional or not, he's been duped by Cutler Beckett and realizes like, Oh my God, like he killed governor Swan Mm -hmm. and I had, I didn't know about this. It was silly for me not to know this. I I was duped. I should have believed this was happening. Yada, yada, yada. Elizabeth is like, I can never forgive you. And, uh, you, you should have picked the right side and you didn't, And it's this horrible moment. He's like, oh, my God, I didn't pick the right side. Well, I'm going to make a stand now. And she is like, it's too late for my forgiveness. Come with me. And I feel like that scene would have played better if we had had a better understanding of what was going on with the governor before he died. Because when he shows up right before they reach the living again, and she's like, oh, my God, we're back. It's my father. And, Mm -hmm. And Jack does the heartbreaking line of like, Elizabeth, we're not back. And it's a really sad scene, but it just doesn't. It feels almost out of nowhere because you literally get like one scene before you see the governor again. And I feel like if you'd spent just—I mean, I don't know where would you would put it—but if you'd just spent a smidge more time with the governor in Norrington, then maybe mm-hmm. his redemption arc would feel a little bit better right before Norrington dies, because yeah. you know the, these two are guys who have who have been pushed towards the East India Trading Company whether um, they wanted to or not um, because they thought it was the right thing to do and it wasn't. Um, and it's just weird to be like, oh yeah, and then he died off stream and that's kind of like the motivation for Elizabeth and it's the motivation for like Norrington to realize the error of his ways and then die.
0: I really like the scene when they see uh, Governor Swan. Yes. Uh, I think just his, doesn't feel his well lines earned. are very are very nice. Yes. Um, I think that perhaps the best thing to do would be since we know he he was killed because of he was the just fact that he, that he knows about uh, how they're controlling Davy Jones and all that, I believe. And, and yeah. they don't want people to know. I think that maybe there should just be a scene where they threaten him in some way. And then, you know, they cut before you find out what happens.
1: Yeah, they kind of do it where they're just like, the governor's asking too many questions. Yeah, but like, he's mm, not in the scene. He's Is, in the background he, not doing anything.
0: They're, they're talking about him. It would yeah. be good if there was a, if there was a bit where... He was They're a little more to active. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I'm sure you could incorporate Norrington in some way into that. Mm-hmm. That would probably help both of them a little mm-hmm. bit. Still, so there, are, there are many good elements that come out of it mm-hmm. all the same. I like that. That's a, it's one of the better scenes. It has good music, too, in the um the scene where they see uh, Mr. Governor Swan.
1: Still take got it. his wig in the afterlife. He it's does. Impressive.
0: you got to take it with you. hmm <laughs> Oh, my God. Um, uh. So... I feel like we've covered a lot of the bits that, that don't work as well. Yeah. Uh, and the bits that do actually. We talked about the roll pull bit, which is my yeah. main bit. I will watch the whole movie to get to the big part at the end. I think the that's end, the funny honestly. thing. is
1: like that's the part I know the most about the movies because that's yeah. the one I've seen the most randomly. It's like always caught the half hour.
0: I, I would like to say that I really like the scene where Jack is in David Jones' locker by himself.
1: It's wild. Uh,
0: I think it's really fun and Bad they really shit. commit to it too mm-hmm. like
1: like for uh, for having a big disney blockbuster franchise like you don't expect them to go that weird mm-hmm. if it that wasn't already the premise like yeah. pirates is like weird and fantastical but it is never weirder than when he is in the locker which makes sense because like it's a purgatory it's a weird place but the fact that they're like this is what we're going to commit to visually on screen and explore this for like 10 minutes it's odd
0: when I said there was not as much slapstick for Captain Jack in this movie, which mm. is obviously it's not exactly true if you're talking about this scene. Exactly. But I think the whole premise of this scene is that it's this bizarre, you know, kooky place that he's in. He's losing and his damn mind. And it's kind of silly. And he has some physical comedy silliness, but he also just has some he's silly... He's trying to
1: get it on with the goat, guys.
0: I mean, he's also like...
1: Can't stress that enough. He's also
0: <laughs> doing other, you know, versions of himself. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of different kinds of silliness here. It's It's more appropriate. And for the rest of the movie, when he's not there anymore, there isn't that much of that kind of physical comedy stuff. There's so a little, like, devil
1: and angel shoulder action a couple yeah, more times.
0: I think that that doesn't work very well. No. Um, it, it probably should have stayed in Davy Jones' locker. I
1: agreed. What happens in Davy Jones' locker <laughs> yes. stays in Davy Jones' locker, guys.
0: But the scene itself is, is really good and fun. And kind of, to me, it almost reminds you of uh, why people like captain jack in the first place because it's just fun to watch him be silly and you know yell at himself mm-hmm. and <laughs> etc all that stuff uh, and then it sets the movie off good i think it takes i timed it you know it takes about 30 minutes for him to show up mm-hmm. which is pretty impressive you know for i mean the movie is about 10 hours long so yeah it's not exactly so really but, if you do the math <laughs> uh just it makes you want to see him and then when you finally do see him
1: you see all of them. You see you a have, lot of them.
0: You have a really fun scene where you get reintroduced to him. Uh, mm-hmm. We were talking about introductions of Jack in the different movies, and this is definitely better than the one in the second movie, I think, mm-hmm. which yes. feels like you know he's, he's shooting his way out of this coffin in the second movie. Like They just want to come up with a ridiculous way for him to enter this scene, whereas this feels more akin to the first movie, I mean, even quite literally, because once he actually meets up with everyone, he meets up with them by, by sailing a ship towards them, and you know he's standing... Mm-hmm. holding the the At the, the, mast, the yeah. pole just like he is in the um the mast the mast sorry. Yeah. well i was thinking of i can't remember what he was holding in the first movie i feel like the ship barely had anything left
1: i mean he's still technically on the mast he's still he's holding the top tiny top mast top zone, yes yeah.
0: <laughs> i guess in in it's the same action you know in the first and third mm-hmm. and it just feels more like yes this is the full circle reference mm-hmm. that much like some of the other stuff you mentioned works partly because it's the last movie of this trilogy yeah. and -hmm. it feels like an attempt to go like this is what you saw before but look how different the circumstances are
1: Mm -hmm. that is also very similar we should touch upon this to the opening of this movie where you get uh, the coin dropping and it does the title of Pirates of the Caribbean obviously that is what happens in the first movie with the gold medallion you get it with a piece of eight in this one which also leads me to the music, specifically the songs of each movie. Obviously, you have "Yoho, Pirate's Life for me for the first one. The second one also does kind of open with a song with Jack's intro. You have Gibbs singing on the deck, drinking rum before he spots, you know, Jack popping back up. The Dead Man's Chest song. Yes. And a bottle of rum. And then this one is an entirely new song that apparently all the pirates in the world know. Yes, Poised we didn't the
0: discuss colours. the intro to this movie. Yeah,
1: not at all. We just dove right <laughs> in. A
0: very, very dark, depressing intro.
1: Super dark, but also like really rousing. They're like, guys, Pirates of the Caribbean, the musical. You're welcome.
0: They're trying to like one up even the second movie in terms of saying, uh, you know, it's it's edgy and dark now. And yeah. They, uh, are gonna. We
1: might not be, you know, plucking men's eyes with crows, but we've got a lot of hangings.
0: Hanging hanging children is probably worse.
1: Yes. He had such a beautiful voice, too. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, it's effective, I guess. You know, it shows the East India Company is taking no prisoners. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few things in the movie like that that seem a bit jarring. I think the big one, you know, we didn't touch on that much is the Kraken. The kind of thing where you think oh I don't like this in the moment like they they killed off the Kraken just off screen yes but really does effectively achieve what they're trying to achieve which is that well I think particularly you understand how much they are able to control Davy Jones Mm -hmm. if they were able to get that to happen yeah and also demonstrates so that they they're powerful, that you know. A punishment to yeah. him.
1: He's like, I thought you would have learned your lesson now after I forced you to kill your kraken.
0: So, disappointing in the moment, I guess, but a sort of a brave choice, really, for, for a, a blockbuster movie. We didn't really talk about, about Davy that much. He talked a little about the him parallels between him and, and yeah. So I think he's, you know, pretty great in this, too. He's mm-hmm. a very, very solid character. He works very well both movies I
1: think it's really interesting to position him more as like a tragic character because they really explore that a lot with his relationship and backstory with Calypso and you do you, you feel really bad for him there's those moments of it and then in the end I think what makes him so great is because despite how he's felt and what he's experienced with this really tragic love story he's going to condemn Will and Elizabeth to it too like he it's just his one thing that he cannot get over he's just so grumpy and bitter about it, being mm-hmm. like, "Ah, young love, blobbity blah, stabby stab. And it's really fun to watch him under the the shoe of of Beckett because it so firmly establishes Beckett as the main villain, because obviously mm-hmm. he has a lot of setup, but not as much screen time in two, where you know he's a really shitty, nefarious dude. And then that comes to full play in this one where you're like, man, I really hate this dude. And the fact that he's like bullying Davy Jones around and Davy Jones is like a badass scary man. It really does a nice quick job for the audience to be like, okay, yep, we're going to focus on you as the bad guy. And then as soon as like he's dispatched after Davy Jones and it's a really awesome, beautiful sequence of slow-mo where, you know, he just completely freezes and everyone's like, God, abandon ship, guys. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Yes. Um, but I think it's really interesting because it's like, I feel so much for Davy Jones. And yet, like, by the time you hit the final battle with him and Jack and him threatening Will and Elizabeth, you're like, oh, I hate this dude. I hate him so much now. Yeah, because, yeah. like, he's making the wrong choice. He knows how this feels.
0: He's not a very nice dude, but he's also a a sweet, tragic octopus man. Yes. And so you do not like that he's being mistreated. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's hard to get... It's rough, that. but
1: at the same time, it's like... Again, kind of like the Will and Elizabeth, the Davy Jones and Calypso thing. It's like you've always had within the relationship the opportunity to make the right choice, and you never do. And it's so much so that you've become embittered to the point where, when you have another couple that is similar to your story, you decide, well, I'm going to push this choice mm-hmm. on you too, because if I'm miserable, you will be too. I can't be happy. I mean, guys, he's do still mourning for his favorite pet.
0: Is his specific intention? Or is he just trying to kill Will? Obviously, either way, he's trying to I destroy their love. The fact but that I, I think his first impulse is just like, well, I'm going to destroy this love relationship thing mm-hmm. by killing him. Obviously, the alternative of, you know, Will takes his place also mm-hmm. works for hurting their love. But yes, I assume he was just going for the kill there. I think
1: he was going for the kill, but I think the fact in the second one where he talks to... Jack for sending Will over mm-hmm. in his stead to pay his debt. debt. He gets really mad at him, and he's like, "Can you do that to a friend?" He's like, "Here's the thing about young Will Turner: he's in love with a girl," <laughs> <laughs> and and Davy Jones just gets like so mad that uh, he's like, "Oh fuck it, I'm girls. taking Will Turner." And I think it, not explicitly Will that he hates, yeah. but I think it's the idea that there is a love out there that is faithful and exists mm-hmm. and he's like i'm going to okay. get any chance i get to def- watch me turn this shit yeah. around <laughs> um it is really interesting i'm
0: going to ruin this man's i'm going to ruin this man's
1: whole career by giving him a new one mine <laughs> um yeah i think it is really sad because it's funny to look at and be like obviously th- there is a very slim chance of this ever happening but it's like yeah will could have gone that way and elizabeth could have gone this way it was never going to happen mm but it's like this is where it could have ended up if they had been different people. Yeah. So, um I think he's really great. He's very tragic. Um the more you understand him, the more you're like, wow, this is fascinating and devastating, but also I still want you to die at the end. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I think is really commendable to have a yeah. really complicated villain. Uh, I mean, as complicated as you can get for everything that's going on in this franchise. Um, in the same way that I, that's why I really loved the bo- the moment where Barbosa gets shot by Jack in the first yeah. one is you, you take this moment where you should really want them to not be threatening anybody anymore but the moment where they no longer can is the moment where you just are like oh I feel so bad for you but also this is the right way for you to go yeah and then Beckett is just wonderful too of him going out
0: yeah it's a great wonderful ending scene. for him
1: looked great on the big screen. It's still, again, these movies still hold up really well.
0: Yeah, everyone looks... Davey still looks great. Davy still looks awesome. Yeah, I also one.
1: appreciate the detail of when they have to meet to go over the terms of the battle that someone has laid out, like, two buckets behind D.B. Jones <laughs> filled with water. Yeah. <laughs> it's just... It's kind of the same detail as, like, in the second one when the flying Dutchman yeah. goes underwater and the little tentacles hold onto his hat. It's just like... Guys, you, you, it's so well thought out with some of these details. Why couldn't have that have been applied to other parts of the movie?
0: So, we talked about favorite scenes. Yeah. And uh,
1: Favorite characters? I don't know. Oh, shit. Um,
0: I think I, that the side the side comedy characters are not quite as good in this one.
1: Yeah, well, I feel like there's just not enough room for them to yeah. do anything new. Um, I would give it to Will and Elizabeth jointly. I don't know. I don't know. I really like the scene where Will is talking to Davy Jones and Beckett because it's the first time where he's like, think like Jack. Like he feels, he's never been the most politically savvy guy. It's like, that's Elizabeth's job. Um, But I feel like this is the first time he actually has the upper hand in something and doesn't get screwed over.
0: I really love Barbosa in this one. I do love Barbosa
1: too. But I want to give it to Will and Elizabeth because it's like their last proper outing. Of course um and Barbosa is going to be consistently good.
0: He is probably the best part of that fifth one. Yeah. For my memory. Agreed.
1: I don't, I don't know. I think I'd give it to them uh just because they're doing a lot and there's a lot of character growth mm-hmm. compared to what they've been getting up to previously, so. Yeah. I'll give it to them. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know who else I would give it to. There's there's a lot of options, but and they all feel like pretty I feel like there's not a massive standout in this movie. No. Just, again, because no. so much is going on. And I've already given it to Jack for the first one, and I Except can't for give it to him again.
0: Han Hans Zimmer. Yeah. Who we haven't talked about yet. We have not. He's a standout. God, all the time. It's a good score. It's another good one.
1: It's a great score. Their love theme is just amazing. Yes. The one last very day good. is just...
0: Oh, very good theme that he wrote for, for them. one
1: day, I think is what it
0: is. And also, some of the other stuff. I mean, the Singapore stuff is pretty, pretty cool. Mm-hmm. The, the love theme is incorporated into so much of the, the score. The
1: bitching guitar that it happens when they go yeah. on Guitar
0: Island. <laughs> that was fun. It seems like almost direct... Well, it's certainly a reference to, like, um, what do you... You know, the uh, the Spaghetti good, the bad, the Westerns, ugly. Westerns, yeah. yeah. But um, I, I would go as far as to say I think it may have actually been a direct take from one of those scores. Um, I didn't look it up, but... It did not even sound like an homage. It actually sounded like it was partially the melody of one of those spaghetti westerns, which was fun. <laughs> and mm. guitar is not a very common instrument in the Pirates score, no. so that was that was That's cool. Okay. But yeah, that, that really helps too. I mean, he's in full force during the final fight, mm-hmm. and obviously that is very helpful. I think there's also a lot of themes from like the first and the second movies in there, mm-hmm. so you do get a big full circle feeling, so even subconsciously if you're not paying attention to it directly maybe you feel that i remember that there was uh, a theme that's like used for the pirates or or mystery in the first movie that you don't hear that much but it showed up in this movie and it was nice to hear it all kind of coming around again look it's everything yeah everything in the world i think that as a trilogy that doesn't have any more movies
1: yeah none
0: it's all um
1: exactly like indiana jones
0: I think this is... The whole is better than the sum of its parts situation for me. Agreed. Uh, You know, especially with the second and third movies, really, is what I'm talking about, because we've discussed all the bits that don't work very well, but uh, a lot of the fundamental ideas of, like, where people started and where they ended up, and some of the the themes that they're trying to work with are very uh, consistent and, and well thought out. And it means that, I guess, the simplest way i could describe it is it really does feel like there is a specific vision happening here mm-hmm. even if it gets distracted along the way and that can make you forgive a lot i think and it's the biggest problem that the, the fourth and fifth pirates movies it have makes
1: you really appreciate the trilogy more knowing yes. what comes after
0: especially because you know they they did not manage to make like you know, a fourth and fifth movie or even a sixth like close together like they were able to make these ones makes it even more obvious that both the fourth and the fifth are just kind of movies that different groups of people made because someone managed to scrounge together the funding and the scheduling to make them and that is why they exist and these three actually feel like they exist because a specific group of people wanted to make them and that's a pretty important distinction and they do have a very conclusive ending i kind of like the way that will and elizabeth essentially have a very conclusive sort of ending yeah the other part the sort of the avengers continue thing Mm -hmm. is left to jack and the pirates it's a pretty good compromise i think who are really our main dramatic protagonists have a full arc yeah whereas the movie still leaves the feeling of there's more out there but it leaves it to the supporting characters. I like that.
1: I appreciate that. Yeah, I think obviously the first one in my heart is still the the greatest, but like you said, collectively, for all its flaws, it still manages to be fairly consistent, if not very entertaining.
0: And there is truly very little like it. Yes. Like, Like currently in particular, you know, if you're talking about I guess trilogies but also just blockbusters in general um it has a lot of ideas and scope and for all of the criticism for both the sequels it's interesting to think about how many parts of them are just accepted as very good by so many people even mm-hmm. though they don't think the movies are very good yeah like i think pretty much everyone thinks davy jones for example is a great villain he looks very he good looks very and good. he just the performance is good people like him you know he's he's almost sort of iconic in that sense mm-hmm. it's interesting that the movies that are so often derided contain so many things like that in them that people still think of with so much um they're, they're very happy memories you know people will yeah. remember them very fondly, fondly yeah, yeah uh, I think that kind of shows where maybe where the bar was at the time I sort of talked about the idea that when these movies come out you're sort of evaluating them With the feeling that you're comparing them to hypothetical, well, the first movie, but also like hypothetical future movies that are similar to these movies that won't have these problems. Yeah. But as things have kind of turned out, the way blockbusters were being made in the direction kind of shifted a little. And this exact kind of movie didn't really keep being made. So it no longer really feels like, oh, it's too bad they had issues and they weren't perfect. Mm-hmm. It's, it's more like, oh, it's kind of nice that they exist at all. Yeah. Because there isn't that much that exists on this scope, and that's, that's cool to see.
1: And I, I think that's kind of like the, the beauty, but also like the fallacy of pirate movies, whether it's in the modern 21st century or in the, the golden era of Hollywood. It's just like there's something inherently special about them because you're like, it's nice that this even got made because these are not easy movies to make and the time that they're being made they already feel like instant classics because nobody's going to make them like this anymore Mm -hmm. and like you said in the direction that franchises and big blockbusters go you know it's it's interesting to see that obviously these movies are hugely expensive and hugely successful but with each iteration within this world you do get diminishing returns and it's not because there isn't a wealth of ideas i just think how movies are made and and what they were going for with the original trilogy is fundamentally different now. And it's so interesting to see that you never got, like, you know, a jumping-off point in the way that, like, superhero movies have Mm -hmm. happened. It's like, you don't have a huge flux of, like, pirate movies now.
0: I suppose there's less room for a variety with the idea of pirate movies than there are with superheroes. Mm. Um
1: But there's still enough wiggle room in the sandbox to come up with some new stuff. I mean, you could go with an old-school pirate movie hmm. and not have any fantastical elements in it in the way that is completely different than the pirate series.
0: I think I think part of the reason they are different Mm-hmm. Is that, of course, there are pirate movies. But really, by the time you get to like the end of the second and third movies, they're they also epic fantasy movies.
1: Yes, handsome. And
0: down. we really don't have that many of those.
1: Mm-mm.
0: Back in the early 2000s, Lord of the Rings happened.
1: Harry Potter movies started coming in. And
0: yeah, that too. I think it was really Lord of the Rings that yeah, people high feel epic like, wow, fantasy. have we, looking back on it, have we ever really had like a big fantasy movie, let alone trilogy, that actually delivers on all fronts like this? It is very hard to think of one. It's a hard genre to do, especially before we really had the kind of special effects they were working with mm-hmm. at the time. And then you're getting stuff like Pirates, which, yeah, it's like a pirate movie. But by the time it keeps going, it's also like this big fantastical thing pulling on myths and legends and things. And even some of like the superhero movies at the time, they kind of feel like they're fitting into that sort of movement of movies because the idea of how to make a superhero movie is not entirely clear yet, mm-hmm. so people are throwing more things at the wall. Yeah. <laughs> at this point, no matter what studio you're talking about, people have pretty strict ideas about what a superhero movie looks like currently, mm-hmm. so it's kind of its own separate genre now. It isn't, like, you could describe them, various ones, as fantasy movies. They have fantastical elements, but it doesn't really feel like they are the same thing. No. So you can't really compare them directly, whereas if I try to think of it like last decade... And come up with something that's pulling on the kind of stuff the Pirates is. All they can think of is like some failed young adult adaptations. Yes. And also something like, I guess, like <laughs> Clash of the Titans. Yes. Where it's Greek like... myth epic. Yeah, they're attempting to pull from that. It didn't work though. Yeah. Um, that's the thing. It usually doesn't work. Yeah. And this didn't entirely work either. No. <laughs> but it worked more and...
1: I think the timing of it is so special. I don't think it could be replicated Yeah, um, as evidenced again by how worn the series gets later.
0: Well, you just can't really picture it right now. You know, the idea no. of, of someone announcing that their new blockbuster movie was going to come out this summer and it's like a big, sp- most expensive movie ever, special effects bonanza about like, I don't know, gods and sea monsters and... Mm-hmm. all that sort of thing it would kind of seem like why are you why are you making this now like this isn't what people are going for. going for yeah. but they did I
1: guess. but they did, <laughs> they did. It, it somehow worked and there hasn't been anything really like it since that it's, has been on its level
0: aside from i guess the unity of the directing and writing teams and stuff like this for this trilogy yeah this is probably a big part of the problem with the uh, continuing pirate sequels Is that they're being made Further and further Into a time period That doesn't really want What they're trying to do anyway mm-hmm. So what people are trying to What for a
1: running You know The end of the Pirates Well people are trying era. to Come up
0: with You know How do I write And make the next Pirates of the Caribbean movie Yeah And are hamstrung by the fact That I'm sure that They have people Breathing down their necks Saying we'll do this And do this mm-hmm. And the fundamental problem is No one is sure What they should be doing yeah. Because they know this doesn't really work anymore for audiences
2: mm-hmm.
0: and they're trying to f- you know mess with it and make it work in a different way and that's not really working either yeah there may be a way to do it but they haven't been able to figure out what it is and it will involve something more i think than just thinking you know
1: if we put jack sparrow yeah, here's
0: something. jack sparrow and here's a here's a generic sort of mythological c idea and let's just smash them together you have to have more ambition than that i mm-hmm. think that's what it is in the end, you know, that the the MCU Marvel movies were successful because at some point someone said, what if we actually tried to make, you know, 700 movies and <laughs> have them all connect? And other people probably said, that's never worked before, and they said, we'll try it anyway, and so it did, and that's the kind of ambition you really need to actually change the way big blockbuster filmmaking works, I think. It's not the kind of ambition that Pirates has had since these movies, which, if nothing else, are very ambitious. Yes. And, you know, that's that's probably a good final word to have about that.
1: <laughs> well, I guess with that we should probably sign off. And who knows what we'll do next time, but this is not going to be Pirates of the Caribbean for a little bit. No. <laughs> we're good. We're good. We're happy. We're done with that. for. for just, just put a pin in it. All right, signing off. This has been Becky. This is Camden. And we'll be talking piratey stuff to you guys next time.
0: Bye. Bye.
2: If
1: you guys liked our show, please let us know. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcast, and also feel free to contact us on our main website. That one is grumpyoctopusproductions.com. That I'll link you up to all of our social media. You can follow us on Twitter and or like us on Facebook, and you can reach out to us at our email account. That is grumpyoctopusproductions at gmail.com. I think we're sensing a bit of a trend here. (laughs) Um, Also on the website, you guys can check out all of our episode and production notes and fun little extras as well. So, as always, thanks for listening, loyal listeners. Alrighty, signing off.